We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What a I'm loath to do it, but it's time to challenge our priors. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Look, you know I love to lean into my priors, my confirmation bias. It's what I do. It's what I'm good at. I can get hysterical with the best of them, um, but unfortunately, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that today. And the reason is we have a really special bonus episode for you. We're going to be chatting with Matt Spiro about William Saliba, the transfer, the time in France, the situation with Arsenal, the subsequent time in France, and uh, where we go from here. And maybe even a little peek ahead to the Euros, because we're going to be talking about his book a little bit as well. So I'm thrilled to do that. We will have Crystal Palace chat, because obviously uh, the second to last game of the season when we are fighting for seventh place and a possible St. Totteringham's Day is, is content that you need. So we will have that coming up as well. So bonus podcast stuff for you this week. So appreciate that. And I know so many of you did leave reviews as we asked. We're going to be announcing some names on the next pod uh, to send you some stuff for that. So thank you so much for doing that. That is out of the way. Good. Now I can uh, introduce Matt properly. Matt is on Twitter at, get this, Matt Spiro. Hello, Matt. Hello, Elliot. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. You are coming to us from lovely Paris, right? Yes, that's right. It's yeah. lovely. They've opened, reopened the cafes and stuff, and it's uh, a little bit sunny, so life is looking a bit better. Okay, so the hashtag numbers tell me that people listen to the early parts of the podcast more than the late parts of the podcast. So let's not shove your book to the back. Let's talk about that quickly. You have a book out, Sacre Bleu, from Zidane to Mbappe, but I assure all the listeners that there's plenty of Thierry Henry content in there. I am cribbing this from our pre-recording discussion. Uh, Matt, you want to tell us a little bit about the book? It's out now, and then uh, we will get into William Salib after that. 
Yeah, that's very that's very kind of you. The paperback of the book, it's an updated version because initially this was meant to come out before the Euros last year. And so it came out in hardback. But there is an updated version now with plenty of uh, what's happened in the last year in the world of French football. And it is very much a book about French football. It goes from uh, uh, France's first World Cup win in 1998, a, a very um, Arsenal-centric World Cup win that was, um, all the way to 2018. And uh, Kylian Mbappe, who was born in 98 and starred in the 2018 team, is very much the uh, central uh, thread in the book. And uh, yeah, there is plenty of Arsenal content. I had the pleasure of interviewing um Quite a few um, Arsenal-related people, not least Arsene Wenger, who has who's written the forward to the book. So um, that was a real wow. pleasure and, and, and privilege for me to, to have sat down with Arsene around about a year ago now. Um, Emmanuel Petit, Robert Pires, uh, Olivier Giroud, they were all interviewed, as was David Dean, who talked a little bit about the French influence at, at Arsenal and, and in English football. So, yeah, um, Sacre Bleu from Zidane to Mbappe, a football journey. Um, if you want to read it, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and find that at all your uh, global bookselling conglomerates, <laughs> of which there are many these days, and unfortunately too few of the, the opposite of that. But, you know, it's interesting, Matt, because I would venture to guess that a lot of the people listening uh, from my side of the pond will have become Arsenal fans in large part due to that French team from 1998. Um, you know, they, they were a fun team to watch, a lot of players that captured the imagination and I think they were kind of a gateway drug to Arsenal support at that time. And obviously, what a time to get into supporting Arsenal. Um, I know it sounds silly, but the FIFA 98 soccer uh, football video game was was one that I, I definitely loved to play. And, you know, using those Arsenal players was a blast. So it, it, it is, I would say, very connected, at least on the American side, I think, to to the, the way a lot of people were introduced to Arsenal. So I, I definitely think that there's relevance there. I mean, do you find that when you talk to Arsenal fans that are of a younger generation, that that French generation and that World Cup team in particular had a big connection to it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's possibly the reason why I'm out here in France now, because I mean, I used to go and watch Arsenal home and away back in the back in the 90s and 97, 98 was you know, my season, if you like, it was absolutely phenomenal. I, I went to loads of matches and I was so inspired by Arsene Wenger and by, by these, by these French players um, that we were, that we were bringing in at the time. Um, so, you know, I started specializing on French football and I got the chance to come over and, and work here in Paris. And I, I, I jumped at that and yeah, the, the aura, the, the interest over here in Arsenal at the turn of the century was huge. And, um, and there are still a lot of Arsenal fans here, here in France. Unfortunately, the reputation these days isn't the same as it was 10 or 15 years ago when we were seen as kind of like <laughs> these trailblazers. And now, you know, the younger generation, I have to explain to them that Arsenal, yeah, were, were right up there um, not that long ago. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be, we'll be <laughs> again soon. Starting to feel a long time ago. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. we're hoping to get back to the top. And there's, there's actually a couple of players I might want to ask you about if I can be cheeky and sneaking in. I didn't put it in the notes ahead of time because I might, might throw in a, a Matteo Genduzzi question for you. But, um, so, so let's talk William Saliba. And I, I guess where it starts, obviously, is with the actual transfer itself. Because there are not a lot of Arsenal fans, I think, that will have been too aware of, of the player. Um, and it was a fairly substantial amount of money to spend on a player of that age in that position. So it certainly suggests that the club had a big enthusiasm for him and believed that they were getting in before the price would have been prohibitive or, or a club 
I hate to say this, of larger stature would have come in for him. So when you first heard about the, the transfer and over on the French side of things, how was that greeted? It was, I guess, slightly surprising because he'd only played 13 starts in, in, in Ligue 1. Um, he'd been drafted into the Saint-Étienne first team very young at, at the age of 17, and he made a massive impact. He um, was part of the youth team that went on and, uh, and won the Youth Cup, um, but he didn't actually play it in the final because he was involved in, in, in the first team. At that point, Wesley Fofana was his centre-back partner in the, in the youth team, and uh, um, he did go on and win it. Um, Tottenham were interested, weren't they? And Arsenal came in, Arsenal got him, and I was, I personally, I was very excited because what I had seen of him was hugely impressive. I mean, I've, I, I commentate the league on matches, I commentate a lot of games and have been doing for about 15 years. And I can remember commentating Raphael Varane when he played for Lens at, at 17 and Ben Zemmer and, and Eden Hazard. And you know, um, you know, sometimes when you can see a guy and you think, you know, he looks every bit as good as the, the adults around him, if you like, you know, that players are special and Saliba really did look special because, um, you know, defensively he, he was comfortable and he also just gave off this, this air of, kind of authority and uh, and you know leadership and and you could see and it's very unusual to see that in, in a young man so I was I was really excited I thought perhaps something that Arsenal haven't done enough of recently getting ahead of the game getting a, a young talent before the uh, the bigger clubs come in um, so I thought it was a terrific signing mm. yeah I mean that's some high praise some of the players that you've referenced alongside him obviously there is always a tendency to go one of two directions I think when things don't go as smoothly as we might hope as fans. And there's going to be the the people that back the club, that assume that what the club is doing is smart and thoughtful and wise, and we're just not privy to all the details that make it such. And then there's going to be other people, I don't know who these jerks might be, <clears throat> me, who <laughs> tend to mistrust the club because of what's happened to us over the past several years and some of the chaos and disorganization in the, in the way the club has been run and presume that this has been monumentally uh, screwed up. But to be fair... I think a lot of us are expressing that opinion absent the context of what's really happening with the player. And I think to get into that, we have to look back to last season, which was a really difficult season for everyone, in particular League Gun, because as I understand it, Matt, the, the league shut down, but also because of the COVID protocols, they couldn't go train. So there, the players weren't training either. Um, they were sort of stuck at home. They weren't allowed to go to the training ground. Now, I may have my, my facts wrong about that, um, and certainly feel free to correct me. It's a common... A commonplace occurrence on this podcast, but what kind of level do you think he was playing at last season and how disruptive do you think that shutdown would have actually been before his arrival back with Arsenal? Yeah, Saliba had injury problems last mm. season and that was, you know, that's kind of um, uh, caused problems in terms of the development that Arsenal uh, wanted to see from him. He had two injuries, a uh, broken metatarsal was the one that kept him out uh, the longest I'm looking. So he started 11 games only in, in, in the league last season. Um, in terms of his performances, uh, you know, every time I've seen William Saliba play, he's impressed me. I don't think I've seen a game and thought, oh, um, he's looking, uh, you know, a bit short of pace or he's, he's, he's not reading the game properly. And in terms of that season, um, last season, the one game that stands out for me was the uh, Coupe de France semi-final against Rennes, uh, a huge game for Saint-Étienne. 
they're, they're a very big football club in France. They're still um, the club that's won the most titles in France. And they do have a big following. Um, it's always a fantastic atmosphere at, at the Saint-Étienne games. Now, they went behind early against Rennes and Saliba was guilty of uh, tripping a, an attacker up in the box, conceded a penalty. And I thought, oh, gosh, this, this, won't, be, this won't be good in terms of, you know, how this game's going to go for William Saliba. And he ended up as man of the match. Wow. He grew, he grew in stature. He effectively set up the winning goal in the 90th minute by striding forward from the back. Um, playing a really good ball up to the edge of the box. It broke in the end. I think it was Buda Boos scored and, and Saint-Étienne won 2-1. You know, and he was man of the match. And that, that, again, to me, said this guy has got something special to, you know, the biggest game of the season. He makes a, a mistake to concede a penalty. Um, and he came back and he had a really strong game. Um, in terms of the timeline with, with the COVID, I mean, I don't have exactly like the information of where William Saliba was, but my understanding um, is that he actually moved back to London uh, the mm. French League stopped in, in, in March and he was, um, as he said, effectively training on his own. I think, you know, through yeah. Arsenal's kind of organisation, but um, uh, not training with, with with the first team squad. And well, also, yeah, the, the English League also stopped in it for, for a long period before, before Project Restart. Um, and then once it became apparent that the French Cup final was taking place in July, he was then back in Saint-Étienne and looking to integrate matters, um, you know, back ahead of the cup final. Now, I, I tweeted um, something about about this when it became clear that Saliba wasn't going to be able to play in the in the French Cup final. And I I knew how, well, I, I knew, I mean, I had heard that he was bitterly disappointed about this. And I tweeted something about, this not being a good start to a relationship, the fact that Arsenal and Saint-Étienne didn't manage to reach an agreement. Now, there was the financial aspect, um, which was widely reported in the UK, that if he played this extra game, Arsenal would have to pay two million um, or whatever the figure was. And, that you know, why should Arsenal do that to give them their player, to give Saint-Étienne their, you know, Arsenal's player? Um, now, my understanding is, is slightly different. And the reason that it didn't happen was was more because of, Arsenal's insistence on Saliba being in London in the in the in the days before the cup final to undergo a whole raft of medical tests, hmm. um, and that Claude Puel, the Saint-Étienne manager, said, "No, we, you know, we're preparing for the cup final against Paris Saint-Germain. We need our players here," and it, it, they couldn't reach an agreement on that. So, you know, and again, I don't have you know, this in in black and white. It's 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 an issue that was discussed between between the two football clubs. But Saint-Étienne aren't. Stupid. I, I don't think they were demanding two million quid and William Saliba. They wanted Saliba for the cup final. They didn't get him. And, you know, and I again, I don't think it was a good way to start the relationship because that was a huge game for Saint-Étienne and Saliba would have loved to, to have played in it as his last game for Saint-Étienne. It's really frustrating, Matt, because I, I think when we want to draw some conclusions about whether your club is acting intelligently in the best interest of its players, in the best interest of its own success on the pitch, its sporting success generally, you'd like to at least to be able to agree on what the truth is, right? So you can evaluate the details. I always thought that £2 million payment sounded ridiculous, sounded briefed on, on the club's behalf, and because it didn't, as you said, it doesn't make sense. Why would Saint-Étienne say... We want to go into this cup final against PSG. We want to lose a player that's been very important to us. And oh, by the way, uh, we're going to charge you two million pounds to ensure that we can't have him. That that struck me as strange. I think if the club did indeed keep him out of playing in a cup final 
and that experience and that developmental experience and the emotional high of doing that. And they may have you know gone on to lose regardless, but over a battery of medical tests that could have been performed at another time, that's that's hard to accept and a little bit disappointing. I think so. I mean, the clause existed in in the contract. You know, I don't know if it was 18 games or it was something that if Saliba played this amount, then Arsenal paid paid, paid more money. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that Saint-Étienne would, would have refused to kind of come to some, some sort of agreement and waive that. Interesting. Well, I mean, I whatever the, the conditions of it were, obviously it was not an ideal situation for the player, for the club, for the relationship, um, and a player that we'd already invested quite heavily in as being part of our future. So then he returns to Arsenal for the preseason. I think the thing that's interesting to me is this is a guy that you're saying played at a very high level, that Saint-Étienne wanted in the cup final. And he arrives at preseason and by all rumor and report wasn't ready, was immediately sized up as not being ready to play and couldn't play and needed to go out on loan again. I'm curious your take on the quick decision by Arsenal that William Saliba was not going to be able to contribute this season based on what you had seen just a few months before, because th- those conclusions seem incongruous to me. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, I think Arteta and, and Edu have both said it. William Saliba is not ready for the for, for Premier League football. Um, I'm not accusing anybody of lying. Arteta and Edu have got Arsenal's best interests at heart. We're talking about William Saliba, who is um, an Arsenal player and an important financial asset, a lot of money was spent on it. So they're not going to be downplaying his ability just like for the sake of it, um, because effectively they're, they're, they're devaluing um, a player. So I, well, they have done honestly, it pre- previously, but that's another story <laughs> with other players. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, whatever the, the truth, you know, Arteta decided that he didn't want William Saliba in his Premier League squad, um, last season um, and obviously decided it would be better to have him gaining experience elsewhere. There were a number of centre-backs at at Arsenal already. Um, But for me, the argument or the claim that he's not ready for Premier League football is just doesn't add up. It doesn't Mm -hmm. add up, especially where, you know, we're not talking about trying to get into the Juventus side of the nineties or whatever. We're, We're comparing him to, you know, to Rob Holding, Pablo Murray, Hey, Mustafi got um, some all, all, minutes. <laughs> Mustafi. Okay, so that, you know there were a number of defenders at Arsenal Football Club that William Saliba should have been ahead of, um, because of his talent, because Arsenal have invested a lot of money in this guy. Um, you know the, the the Wesley Fofana thing. You can't say, um, "Oh, look at Fofana." Of course, Saliba would have worked because Fofana worked. Um, they're different players, different circumstances, and what have you. But it does make it even harder to sort of um, to swallow this argument that William Saliba is not ready. And uh, yeah, it, it, because it he, got he was to... rated more highly than Fafana, right? If I'm if I understand when the they track when record. they when they were at Saint Etienne, yes, Saliba came into the first team before Fofana, and Saliba, like I say, gave off this aura of uh, of of a leader more than Wesley Fofana. I think Fofana is, is an outstanding, you know, we've seen it, an outstanding young defender, but um, Saliba is, is is right up there in that category as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel, you know, living here in France, um, I, you know, watch a lot of French football. 
And I realise the Premier League is intense and it's fast. But I think the argument is a very easy one and it gets overused that the Premier League is such a big step. It's so difficult for these guys. Um, You know, yes, we've seen excellent footballers uh, in the past need time to, to, to bed into the Premier League. But for me, it's a bit of an easy argument. You know, ultimately, the football that is played here in France is also played with 11 men and a ball and uh, uh, good footballers tend to be in France tend to be good footballers in England. And um, it's true. We've seen a lot. Of yeah. So, so, so listen, so I, 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 I didn't believe that. So that makes me think, and again, this, you know, I'm, I'm not giving information here, but that makes me think that something else went down. Mm. Uh, we know that Arteta um, has been trying to instill a certain discipline at Arsenal. Does that mean, and again, no information here, but does that mean William Saliba spoke out of turn? Does that mean he didn't like his attitude on on the training ground? Um, for me, that would be f- more credible than saying that William Saliba is not ready to play Premier League football. Right. And I want to sort of clarify something because you said, you know, that you're not trying to say something isn't true or isn't the truth. I'm not as concerned about, I, I don't think for the most part that they are intentionally lying to anyone. I think it is more a question of whether they're right or not, right? Because... The job isn't to be honest. The job is to be right. <laughs> it is elite level sport. Um, you don't get judged on whether you were the most honest in the way you approached it. You get judged on whether you were the most successful. And I, I think even if they were being honest and saying they don't think he's ready, I certainly think there are a lot of people that would suggest they weren't right. Um, and that is the question that I'm more concerned with. I, I do think we were coming off this period of non-negotiables and he had frozen out Ganduzi and frozen out Ozil and he was trying to root out the the problem players, Kolasinac, and you know he, he had really gone to bat for this, this wage cut because we all suffer together and they just won the FA Cup and so he's really feeling at the top of his powers and, and just been named manager instead of first team coach. And I do wonder if that cup final led Saliba to, be, to brood a bit, to maybe have an attitude that Arteta felt Hey, you're young. You've never played a minute for us. I'm the I'm the boss here, and I'm establishing a culture. And you know what? I don't want to work with this brooding young kid. If this is his attitude, let's send him on loan again. Now that is entirely speculation, but I, yeah. I, it, it is speculation that I think at least I can I can see how that may have been the way it worked more than I can see him not looking good enough to be with Arsenal in the span of two training sessions. So. Yeah. Let's move ahead a little bit in the timeline because there's the period on they don't get the transfer done calamitously do not I mean don't get the loan done and now Saliba's with the team and you've invested a lot of money in him and by all measure he's he's a good player and he can't get in in the Europa League and he can't get in in the League Cup and he can't get in the FA Cup forget Premier League and guys like Mustafi who are desperate to get rid of paying to leave are getting minutes in these competitions and he's not and that was a time where I think a lot of us were scratching our heads and trying to understand what the plan is. And he's playing with the reserves. There's some people that say there must have been a, an escalator clause in his contract that when he makes his first appearance, he gets a bonus. And they, yeah, who knows? We'll never know that. What was the French reaction to what was happening in Saliba during this period? Was it as incredulous? To be honest, Elliot, there, there, there wasn't... Yeah, I mean, people were perplexed, but it wasn't something that was... You know, making making headlines. You're saying I mean, Arsenal aren't global headline news. <laughs> no, it's 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 that, and it's also the fact that there's probably a you know there are so many fantastic young French centre backs. It doesn't mm. mean that Salah is you know just a, an an ordinary player. Um, there was a bit of concern about him, like what what's going on. Um, but it's not something that was you know talked about on a 
daily or even weekly basis in France. Mm. Um, Saliba sort of kept his head down. I mean, if you look at the Europa League group stage, you know, the opponents that we had to suggest that William Saliba wouldn't have been ready to play in that. I just, yeah, I mean, going, just, yeah, just going back slightly. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying, but from a footballing point of view, William Saliba has all of the, had all of the tools to be an Arsenal player this, this season. So that's why, that's why for me, I think Arteta saying he's not ready for the Premier League is perhaps a, a better way of selling it than, and again, this is just speculation. Then, you know, Saliba um, turned up late for training. He's annoyed three senior players. He's, you know, mm. you, in some ways it may be protecting the player in that people will swallow it. But, but for me, um, for me, he, you know, he, he should have been part of that squad. Uh, from his point of view, you know, we're perplexed. The French media are perplexed. Arsenal fans are wondering what's going on. It must, uh, it must have been a really tough period for him, I think. Yeah. There's been some talk about, um, losing his parents and the impact that may have had emotionally. And I have to be honest, like I'm not really sure the veracity of those claims and sort of what he went through that he, are you aware of anything like that? That That is a rumor that has been extremely popular. I've kind of Googled around looking for more details on that. And frankly, I haven't, I haven't really seen any reporting on it. So I'm, I'm loath to bring it up, but obviously there are people that have been out there making the claim that, oh, he went through this incredibly hard time emotionally and that, may have put him on a path where he wasn't ready mentally to be in the team. Um, I, I don't have anything to, to add. I'm afraid I can't clear anything <clears throat> up. Um, okay. I, you know, perhaps because it is all a bit of a mystery, perhaps something has happened uh, in his, in his private life that has made um, things even more, even more difficult already you know, for, for, for a 18, 19 year old coming and living in a, in a new country, learning a new language, trying to fit in um, at a football club where there are lots of um, big established names. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, <laughs> well, well, yeah. And, and look, I mean, you, you, you can, you can talk about clicks too, right? Because you have a, a Brazilian player in David Luiz, who's a big figure, an experienced player and a big leader in the dressing room by all measure. And, you know, you got a guy like Pablo Marie, someone he might have taken a shine to, you know, for countrymen reasons. And, you know, you look at some of the, the Brazilian players that are at the club right now that he would have wanted to mentor. And, you know, just kind of looking around at who the players were in that dressing room and Saliba coming in and trying to find someone to connect with. I, I would have think, thought that maybe Gabriel Magalhães coming from the French League might have been an option. But there you have another Brazilian player who would have been enamored with David Luiz, certainly, you know, a legendary player for his national team. So I wonder if Saliba felt a little bit on the outside of a click there um, in terms of what his role was going to be in the team. What's clear is that he he didn't play a minute for Arsenal. And that, for a player we we acquired so expensively at such a young age and had a year to plan for his arrival... And then one year after planning for his arrival, still have no plan for him. Can't get a loan done and give him no think, minutes. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Please. I think mm-hmm. I think under under Arsene Wenger, maybe it went to to the other extreme in that the mm-hmm. players were were so looked after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody like Abu Dhabi, the poor guy, had so many injuries, but Wenger was just yeah. was there for him all the time. And the way the players are managed at the moment, and again, you know, this this is probably going to upset a few people because. I'm not. No, on I the got that base ground. covered. I'm not Don't on the training <laughs> ground. I'm not on the training ground every day. But you know, I see. I see the guys that we're bringing over from France, and um, 
you know, Nicola Pepe, we saw the, the, the goal he scored in the last minute against Crystal Palace and Freddie Lundberg saying, well, he does that all the time in training. He should be doing that all the bloody time, <laughs> week in, week out. And he did at Lille and he did. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that that is all Arsenal's fault or Arteta's fault. And, you know, even Emery didn't get the best out of Nicola Pepe. Um, and the player has to take a a lot of the the blame, if you like, for the fact that he's not fulfilling his potential because his potential is huge. But I just feel that in terms of the the man and ma- man management, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Gabriel. At the beginning of the season, I was thinking, yeah, Gabriel and Saliba, that'll be a partnership. Mm. Gabriel, is it just me or did, did the guy look absolutely class for five or ten games and has kind of like had doubt pumped into him and by losing his um, place to Pablo uh, Marie, who <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't explain yeah, it. I just you know, and and Arteta's learning. On the on the job, you know. Let, let's yeah. face it, he is, and he's hopefully learning quickly. But um, I I do feel that um, the players aren't necessarily put in the best possible conditions. You know, Nicola Pepe seems to every time he has a, like a really good game, he'll be dropped for the, for the next three matches, and you just think, well, how is he going to kind of build up any any confidence? And well, of course, Matt, people listening it, will think, here's Matt going on about his league and guys. But no, but it's that, who he's dropped for, it. right? I mean, he's not being dropped for Lionel Messi; he's being dropped for Willian, right? I mean, that the issue we had is Nicola Pepe looked good at the tail end of last season, was good in the run to the FA Cup final, and how does he start the season? with Willian coming in and starting 12 of 14 Premier League games on pace to our worst start in league history. So I do think that Arteta has shown that at the first sign of an option to go with the more experienced player, he'll do it. Gabriel lost his place to a more senior Pablo Marie at times. And, uh, you know, and, and to be fair, the center back thing has been more a partnership thing where it seems like Holding and Marie and Louise and Gabriel. But anyway, um, you know, Pepe has lost his place to Willian at times, which is, I mean, it's it's farcical, obviously. Uh, you know, there's been questions about his willingness to use Gabriel Martinelli, which I think have been assuaged a little bit recently. But all of these factors weigh in how we how we evaluate what what happened with William Saliba, and that leads us then to what he's done since going back to France. And there's really two components to this. One is I think there were Arsenal fans that were annoyed to hear Saliba mouthing off a little bit in the press when he went back to France. I read it more as. The guy's back in France, he's got a microphone stuck in his in his face after every single game where he's playing well and winning man of the match and being asked, how frustrated are you that you didn't get time at Arsenal? And any answer he gives other than no comment is going to look like he's mouthing off. So before we get into his actual performances, do you feel he was sort of in a no-win situation from a reaction standpoint because he was going to be asked repeatedly about it and apart from not answering the question at all, there's probably no good answer you know is that is that a fair assessment it's yeah it is difficult it is difficult um you know he said i had two and a half games two and a half sort of pre-season friendly matches to 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 show what i was made of i hadn't i hadn't trained properly i hadn't trained with the team um so i wasn't up to speed and arteta thought that was enough to 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 judge me on that so he obviously feels quite hurt about that um but you're right. I mean, what's what's he going to say? Um, I've I not enjoyed been playing, playing in the reserves. I've not been playing football <laughs> for nine months. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I uh, should have should have joined Saint Etienne, but they they didn't get the facts working in time. Um, <laughs> but never mind. It's just six months of my career. I mean, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's not easy. It's no. not easy. So, and, and yes, and and I know for a fact as well that there were many other interview requests that were turned down. Um, so, you know, it got to the point where Nice, perhaps after a phone call from Arsenal, perhaps not, perhaps, uh, you know, it was like, can we just kind of stop the, <laughs> the Salibra interviews now? Um, there's, um, 
there's a perception. So, so as always seems to happen in these debates in the Arsenal world, to some extent, you wind up with polarization. And I guess polarization is the order of the day in, in a lot of our debates, not just football, not just Arsenal. But with Saliba, there are certain people who are from afar, looking at some data, watching some highlight clips, not watching League on particularly closely, saying Saliba is a superstar. We are idiots. We botched this. What were we doing? Using it as a cudgel, right? And then you have other people who are like, oh, I'm a league on watcher. I'm a careful watcher. He's got lots of flaws. You're not seeing it in the match report. This kid, this kid's got tons of flaws. If he starts now, he's not ready. He's going to embarrass himself. And I think as ever, both of those perspectives are probably built on biases about how they want the argument to come out. So maybe you can help settle the argument and give us a, a more objective view on how he has actually played since returning to France. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I said at the, at the beginning of the interview, I've never been kind of alarmed or disappointed having, you know, in, in, in a William Saliba performance. And I think what he's done at Nice, given the fact that he'd barely played in, for, you know, for so long, given the fact that he joined Nice at a really, really difficult time for the club, uh, Vieira had just been sacked. Um, they'd gone 11 matches with eight defeats, two draws and, and one win. I did a bit of research here. They shipped 20, 22 goals in those 11 games. And they were basically, you know, heading down towards the relegation zone. One of the, well, the main reason was that their defensive talisman, Dante, who's a veteran Brazilian international and a really big presence for Nice, got a terrible injury in, uh, I think, late November. And, the, you know, defensively, they were an absolute mess. And Saliba came in. He didn't do it on his own. He did it with uh, Jean-Claire Todibo, who's another very good young French centre-back who moved early, moved young uh, to Barcelona and uh, uh, got loaned, I think, to Schalke and Benfica and lost his way a little bit. But I think he's still only 21 as well. Um, so they, they they got Todibo and Saliba in on loan. The two of them knew each other from French uh, youth football. And they honestly, they I mean, maybe it sounds like an exaggeration. They, they transformed the team, but they gave the team a sort of, uh, you know, a defensive platform and a calmness that they just didn't have in, in the weeks before it. And they did it instantly. Mm, and it's amazing. Um, you know, and I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't want to overblow it. We're not talking about top, top level football. We're talking about Nice mid table, France team, French team um, playing against some good teams, some not so good teams. But, you know, I saw, I saw Nice against Monaco, which is a big game. Uh, Cut as your derby, big game for the, for the supporters. And Monaco this season are really, really very strong. And they've got a lot of outstanding attackers. Saliba was excellent. And he, and he coped with, with Ben Yedda and Voland and, and, and Golovin and uh, um, against Paris Saint-Germain as well. Um, no, he didn't, he, he didn't look out of place in any of these games. Um, you're, you're not helping lower my blood pressure over this. <laughs> no, so, so look, you know, honestly, for me, William Saliba is a, is, is a very, very good defender. And given his age, he should be at Arsenal and he should be, he should be developing with, with, with Arsenal Football Club. So I've, just, I've, I've got a few stats uh, for, for you. He's played 19 games in the league, played 90 minutes uh, in all of those matches. Uh, he missed one game when he had COVID. He's played... Two cup games as well. So 20, 21 full matches. Um, in terms of Nice, and I'm not one for stats, but I got some of these <laughs> stats from Opta. Um, he's top of the stats for Nice in terms of clearances, with clearances 77. The second in the team has 45. This mm. is in 2021. Um, headers one, he's top of the team, uh, 34. Possession one, 145. He's top of the team in those stats. Um, Hassan Kamara, the left back, is second. 
but he's uh, on on 104, so way behind. In terms of the whole of the league um, in 2021, Saliba is third in the whole of the league for attempted passes, 1,407. Wow. Really? He is third in the whole of the league for completed passes. Huh. Um, we've got Steven and Zonzi and Jose Font, obviously defensive players um, who are ahead of him, but still he's third in the league. He's sixth in the league for forward passes, 464 forward passes. Um, and there you go. He does 74, 74.1 passes a game, 91% com, com, percent completed. Wow. Um, that is great. So, to hear. You know, they're, 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 they're impressive stats. And I would say that we talk about Arteta wanting ball playing centre backs. William Saliba, yeah, well, he, play, you know, Matt, he's very good on the ball for a, for a big guy and he's not afraid to, to come out and play passes through the lines. Our, our good passing right-sided center back is leaving because he's a million years old, so it's time. Yeah. And here's this guy we spent a fortune on who is a big talent, physically looks ready for the league, setting aside talent. He's physically a guy who can handle the league, that's for sure. His passing stats scream big club center back then because you want a guy who can play out from the back and on that right side to partner with Gabriel. I don't know what Saliba must think if he reads these rumors saying we're after another experienced center back this summer because it blows my mind. But I'm going to give you the impossible task. You're director of football at Arsenal tomorrow. You take over from Adu, which some of us might say would be an improvement. And um, so for you, <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> I like I like money too. Um, <laughs> so you, you take over from Adu and... Arteta comes to you and says, I want to go buy another center back. And you have to respond to him. Are you going to tell him, we shelled out big for Saliba. This guy is good enough to be your right-sided center back. I want to see you try to make it work this season. Is, is it time for Arsenal commit to that? Or are there enough doubts in your mind about him that you'd be open to Arsenal going another direction? Look, before I said anything, uh, you know, I'd give Kia Jurabshin a quick call. Yeah, you got to make sure you know what he wants. That here, of course. (laughs) No, nailed um, nailed it. Center bullseye for content here. (laughs) No, I think you. No, I mean nothing. You know my my answer. I mean, um, you have to. You have to. And I I don't see any reason. Question. I used to be an attorney. That's a that's a leading question. (laughs) That that would get objected. I don't. But Elliot, I don't see any reason not to. Yeah. Um, Strategically, honestly, with the money we spent, with the time we put into it, just get money we spent. You know, and for me, the 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 talent is there. The the question marks are more about the relationship and, and, and the damage that has been done. And again, I haven't spoken to William Saliba myself, but I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I wonder if he wants to go back to Arsenal. And mm. uh, I, ho- I hope he does. And I hope Arteta wants, wants to get him back. I mean, Arsenal are still obviously the best club in the world, but they are still a big football club. And uh, it is a great opportunity still for a 20-year-old um, looking, to, looking to launch his career at the very highest level. So... I, you know, I, I hope so, but I'm, my, my concern, and, and again, I'm like you, you know, we, we, we see everything that people are saying on Twitter, saying, oh, no, this is all good. This is this is Arsenal's strategy. Give him a bit of experience in France. But um, um, there, there, there are some things that have, that have happened and they're quite mind-boggling in terms of the way that I feel he, he has been treated since, since his transfer. So I just wonder, um, you know, whether he won't be saying to Arsenal, listen, uh, I'd, I'd be quite keen to move somewhere else. And, you know, I, I think Arsenal would get, if they if they wanted to cash in, I think they could get the money back. You do think so? Too much trouble. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm, yeah. I'm assuming it'd be another French team that would 
come in for him at that level. They're the ones that know him the best. And I just wonder if the money is in the French league right now to um, recoup. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It'd be very difficult. I think, you know, obviously PSG, um, yeah. probably Leon could, but he's a Saint-Étienne If boy he goes to PSG and becomes a starting center back for PSG, I will fly to the Emirates, drive over there and, and, and sack won't. all of them myself. Oh, PSG are not, PSG are not. No. They've got enough yeah. other areas need to look into. Yeah. They've got Kimpembe and Marquinhos, so they're not going to go in for, for Sally. But, but um, <laughs> No, look, I would I would say to, to Mikel Arteta, listen, what's um what's the deal with this guy? You know, I think he, he he's ready. You 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 for me he should be one of three maybe that, that Arsenal would be looking to uh, to play regularly. You know, you don't want to say you're our starting defender and uh, you absolutely have to play every game. There need to be there need to be other options. But uh, you know, he can play he can play left as well. He's played mainly left, by the way, uh, with with Todibo at Nice, left of the two, but at mm. Saint Etienne, mainly right. Um, so, yeah, Arsenal have got plenty of issues to to try to address in their first team, and uh, it should be um, an absolute no-brainer that William Saliba comes back and starts his Arsenal career properly as of next season. Yeah, and I mean, look, there are people that are going to say because I've been in this debate, Matt, who will say. Um, well, you know, great. You say that the first time he comes in and makes a mistake here and people kill him, you know, then what do we do? Well, first of all, you can't leave the training wheels on forever. At some point, you have to go out on the bright lights and the big stage and prove it. And it's not going to be linear. But the irony is the guy who's been our most important central defender for the last two seasons, David Luiz, has broken records for red cards and penalties. So, like, it wasn't linear for him. He makes mistakes, too. We're not asking and the him. Fan, and the Arsenal fans would be a lot more patient and understanding. And uh, I think they want... Saliba to it's the sense I get, yeah. To work and to get a chance. And if he does make mistakes, you know, obviously if, if it's every game for like three months, we might start getting a bit tired. But um, you know, people are people would be behind him, I'm sure. Yeah, and it is, I mean, you you mentioned Gabriel. Like, I think he's been a revelation at times. He hasn't been flawless. And, you know, unfortunately, what we've basically done instead of letting him work through that is just replace him in the lineup at times and make his position much murkier than it probably needs to be given the start he got off to. But I think people are largely behind him too. So let's let's get this guy in and let's use him. It'd be a shame if we don't. And I think one will regret. I've already gone over the time. I promised you, you know, I'm going to go longer, if you don't mind, with one last question that I'm going to throw in. Um, Matteo Ganduzzi is a player that I will admit I probably got over my ski tips with how good I thought he could be. I mean, you don't see 18, 19-year-old midfielders play 2,000, 2,500 minutes of Premier League season in consecutive seasons very often. And I thought he's got some things he has to get out of his game, some theatrics, um, maybe goes down a little too easy wants the ref to bail him out when he's in trouble. But like I, I saw a player with an elite level of skill, in my view, that could mature into a massive asset for Arsenal. Attitude was an issue before he arrived, reportedly. Was an issue at Arsenal, reportedly. And maybe even continues to be. That's unclear. Does Is there any regard for him in France currently? Is there any sense of what how big his future might be? And I, I am willing to take the bitter pill now that that relationship's probably broken and maybe another time we could talk about why so many relationships between players and clubs seem to be broken right now at Arsenal, but that relationship does seem to be broken. It wouldn't surprise me if he leaves. Do you get a sense that this is one Arsenal regret or is it more one that this is a player who his lack of maturity is going to, is going to plague his development? Look, his, his stock is pretty high in France. I mean, he, he's been the captain of the France under-21s. And if you look, they've, they've just named their squad for the final stages of the Euros. And it's a phenomenal squad. And that midfield is phenomenal. Gendouzi, unfortunately, um, has got an injury and is going to miss out on that. But he would have yeah. been captain. Um, he would have been captain of uh, wow. an exceptionally talented squad. Um, 
he clearly does have this edge, this side to his character. He, I don't know if brat is the word, you know, it's a sort of John McEnroe, super brat type thing. I don't know, <laughs> but um, no, but yeah, he had big problems at, at Lorient. Um, but, you know, watching him at times at Arsenal, particularly the times when he was doing quite well, I really liked it about him because I think Arsenal have had have been too nice for for quite a long time, and to see a player, an Arsenal player, get under the skin of of the opponents as much as he did, I thought it was the sort of guy that Arsenal, you know, could 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 actually could actually do with. But um, his performances got quite frustrating, and people were sort of looking at him, thinking, "Well, hang on, is he a the defensive midfielder? His passing game isn't great. He's not going to contribute any goals. He covers a lot, you know, he covers a lot of ground, and I think." Like you say, he's a, a young player who has played a lot of football and he certainly played a hell of a lot more than I thought he would in his first season at Arsenal. I thought he'd you know, be very much on the fringes and he, and he played a huge amount. But um, will Arsenal regret it if, if he goes? Um, they might do. They might do. I, I know that Marseille are, Marseille are very keen. Um, the, the suggestion is that Bubakar Kamara, who's their current central midfielder and probably their most valuable asset, could be moved on because he's not signing a new contract and they would uh, be ready to spend that money on on, on Gendouzi. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it would be a, sh- a shame, but I think as well that Arsenal have a lot of rebuilding to do and that if they can get a certain, a certain fee um, for Matteo Genduzzi, then probably given the relationship with Arteta, probably they they will look to to cash in, and uh, we'll see we'll see if they regret it. I think there's more chance they'll regret it than if than if Granit Xhaka moves. And uh, yeah, look, if you're a club that's rebuilding, and you consistently say I can't use this 20 or 21 year old player to do that, and instead I need to go into the market, you're a club that's probably going to have a more challenging rebuild than if you just use the young talent that's already in your club. But again, I know there are people listening, they'll say you overrate his talent, not you, me, and that you underrate his, his disruptiveness in the dressing room. Those are things <clears throat> I can't, you know, I can't speculate on right now. I have kept you too long. What I will say is that I look forward uh, to your second book, Sacre Bleu 2, from Mbappe to Saliba, <laughs> and then we can talk about how Arsenal blew it and, and Saliba has won uh, three consecutive Ballon d'Ors. But that is for another time. Um, I certainly hope that you will come on again. Uh, With pleasure. No, it's been... Chat. It's been it's been good fun. Yeah, well, I hope it hasn't been too negative. Look, I mean, not not remotely. I mean, look, I want, we're, I we're where we are for a reason, you know. <laughs> I want the best for Arsenal, but you know, sometimes you're right. Like supporters, obviously, we 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 all look at the positives, and we want to think that our club has a reason for doing everything, has a strategy for doing everything. But yeah, sometimes with the Saliba thing, I mean, you know, things things have been done badly in certain areas i'm not pointing the finger at any particular individuals but clearly this hasn't gone how it should have gone and hopefully hopefully we'll 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 start afresh this summer with saliba i would absolutely love that and you know sometimes things get damaged but as long as they're not completely broken they can still be put back together so this is not a finished story for him what is a finished story is sacre bleu from Zidane to Mbappe, I hope you will buy it because um, it sounds excellent. And with the Euros coming up, I think it's a great primer for that. Um, we'll have plenty of Euros coverage this summer, so maybe we'll, we'll talk to Matt about that again in the future. But the most important thing is buy his book. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Spiro. And Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Great, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this one. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We'll have the full Crystal Palace podcast coming up uh, as well. And uh, lots more stuff. There's still one game to go. 
So uh, you never know. It's it's all on the table. St. Totteringham's Day is still up for grabs, and we'll see what happens. We love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Right now.